y'all, I'm Allie Spears, and this is Ag Chicks, where we dig deep with the women who are helping to feed the world. Today's episode is sponsored by Farm Tea Company. Farm Tea Company has apparel for all 50 states and is focused on American farmers, ranchers, and the agricultural community as a whole. Farm Tea Company shows pride in where you farm, how you farm, and why you farm. Check them out at www.farmteaco.com or at FarmTeaCo on social media. So today I'm sitting down with Nikki Wenty, and I am so excited to chat with another local Californian um, and get to know a little bit more about what you do in uh, the, the facet of the agriculture industry that you're involved in. So Nikki, if you would not mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself to get things rolling today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I am a fifth generation wine grower. Um, Our family has been growing grapes and making wine since 1883. And my current role with the family business is director of vineyard operations. So I manage all of our vineyard, um, vineyard land, as well as our fallow land, which we have quite a bit of fallow land as, uh, as a part of our agricultural business. Um, so it's, it's a lot of fun and I have a, a really great team that I work with that helps me get the, the day-to-day job done, which is also really important. Yeah. And so let's back up a little bit. Um, what, like growing up, did you know that you always kind of wanted to be involved in the family business or how did you kind of get to that point? Yeah. So I think I'm like one of the only family members, um, that knew from the very beginning that I wanted to be in the business. I, my dad was in charge of our vineyard land before me. And so growing up and watching him in the vineyards and having him take me out on the tractor with him and go on horseback rides through our vineyards, um, I just really fell in love with the idea of being able to utilize my very math and science driven mind um, and my excess of energy that I could be outdoors for a career. So I, from a very young age, I was like, you know, I'm going to be in vineyards. I'm going to pursue this as a career. I want to follow in my dad's footsteps. Um, So I've had a very focused education path. I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and studied wine and viticulture. Um, So very focused on my end goal of being in charge of vineyard operations uh, from the beginning. And then in terms of the agriculture side of things, obviously you were involved in a in the day-to-day business of kind of being involved in a in a winery and a vineyard. Um, but what um did you do anything in terms of like 4-H and FFA, or was it purely kind of your on-the-farm experience that kind of got you connected to ag? It was my on-the-farm experience that got me connected to ag. My dad um did a lot of different programs when he was a kid. So he did the 4-H and FFA and all of those different things as he was growing up. And he decided to have us more heavily involved in sports. Mm-hmm. And I, a lot of what we do as kids is what our parents put us into, right? Like right. I didn't really have a choice. I didn't know there were other options. Um, looking back, I always like kind of kick my dad. I'm like, why didn't you let me get involved in FFA or 4-H? Like that would have been really cool experience. And maybe my I would have been interested in, you know, also taking over our cattle operation because we have a, a small cattle operation as well um, in the family business portfolio. And he always says, you know, I always was forced to do everything that my parents wanted me to do. So I just wanted you to do the things that I loved. And I always loved sports. So I figured you guys would love them. So really my ag background just comes from being on the farm, growing up on the ranch um, and loving it. Uh 
and there was no force or pressure into it, I think, which also probably makes me love it more. Yeah, no, and I think that's important that you mentioned that because, you know, I always say that once you're kind of involved in agriculture, even when you try to kind of get away from it, it always has a way of creeping back into your life in some way, shape, or form. Um, but speaking from my family side of things, uh, I was definitely like the ag kid and my brother was the sports kid. And now he's the one who's like, hey, I think I want to maybe be involved in ag in, in the future. So it's kind of funny how that all turns out sometimes. Yeah, Absolutely. For you, um, so first of all, are you, how many siblings do you have and how many are like on, like on the operation at this point? Yeah. So I have two sisters um, and then I have three cousins. So we all kind of manage the business together plus our our parents. So there's right now in our business, um, there's five in the fifth generation and three in the fourth generation that are currently working day to day on our business. Um, but I am one of two in our entire family that are currently working in ag. Okay. Me and my, my, uh, cousin. Okay. Very cool. So how has that kind of, you know, sometimes working with family can be interesting, but how has kind of your experience been in regards to all that? Uh, working with my family actually is sort of a joy. And I know like we, we don't always get along. We don't always agree, but I think it's that mutual respect in the background that like, we know we're not always going to get along and not always going to agree, um, which makes you kind of take anything personal out of it. And it's more like, okay, they're not attacking me as a person. They're just not agreeing with my position. Right. Um, and that really helps us to, you know, continue to be excited about coming to work together. Um, we also have all like kind of picked our own path and the wine industry, I mean, every industry is this way, I think, in small bits, but the wine industry is really fun that it has, you know, agriculture, it has science, it has marketing, it has IT, it has sales, it has, you know, the whole breadth of, if you want a really corporate job, you can find that in the wine industry. And if you want a very ag-based job, you can find it in the wine industry. Um, so we've all kind of picked our own little swim lanes and none of us really overlapped all that much. Like the only person I really overlap with in my, my day to day is my cousin, who's the chief operating officer, cause he's in charge of all of our operations. So I report into him as I manage our farming operation. Um, but all of my siblings work elsewhere. They work in marketing uh, and sales and hospitality. Um, so that makes it really easy to kind of get along really well and be able to support each other rather than butt heads because we're going after, you know, the same role or trying to um, figure out how to create a product together. That's not really what we do. Right. No, and I love that you say that too, because I think sometimes we got get caught up in, oh, I want to be in agriculture. That means I'm going to be a farmer. But there's so many different ways to be connected to the industry. And I mean, you just highlighted how you it's a business, right? So there's, you need all the different aspects of what makes up a business. It just has to do with ag. So uh, thank you for sharing that because I think that that is important to remind people when they are thinking about, you know, how do I fit into this and how do I fit into my family's operation too? When, you know, I have a an, an interest in marketing, but we have a cattle operation. Well, you still need marketing and cattle or whatever it may be. Right. Um, so yeah, so so thank you for, for highlighting that because I think that's important. But then also um, the generational kind of change that is occurring too. Um, how has that kind of been, how has that played out on y'all's, uh, in your all's business in terms of, I think it's great to have, you know, the generation before you to be able to learn and 
have conversations with, but then also sometimes there can be that new fresh perspective. How has that gone for y'all's kind of business? Yeah. So we have a rule that you can't come and work for the family business without working somewhere else for five years first. Um, so that's been helpful. Um, and we also do a family council once a year. So every year we get together as a family, we have bylaws, you know, we have all of these different things laid out so that we have um, some structure and governance around how we operate our business as a family um, that really tries to take us out of being, you know, uh, the decision makers in day-to-day -day business, but more just stakeholders in the brand mm -hmm. and the business itself, because the decision-making in the day-to-day -day business should be handled by the CEO that is then driven up to the board of directors for approval. And just because we're all shareholders in the business doesn't mean we are part of the board of directors or the CEO. Right. Um, so uh, having those family council meetings has really helped us to you know, stay involved in the business, stay really up to date with what's going on in our surrounding businesses, but um, keeps us uh, moving forward as a family and understanding that the fourth generation is passing over the reins and they're, they have a lot of trust in us because we have all of these guidelines and boundaries set up for us to succeed. Um, and I think it pro it's probably really hard for the fourth generation to let go of the reins. I can't imagine giving up the reins right now to like my daughter, like that yeah. would be crazy. Right. <laughs> um, but I think as they have seen us working more and more, like my cousin Carl has is now on, I think his 20th year working for the business. Um, so he, he, they've had a lot of time to watch Carl grow and develop into the role that he is today and trust that he has a really good head on his shoulders to direct our business in the right direction. Um, and I think my dad has, for me, I, I'm on my sixth year at the business. So we, they're slowly handing over more and more, you know, as they can see us working and getting in our groove. And I think they all, the fourth generation definitely has a good understanding that things are going to be so different for us than they were for them. You know, technology is different. Um, the way that people work is different. The way people communicate is different. So they're kind of trusting us to understand the future a little bit better than they do because they've been in a different generation than us. Um, so uh, overall, I think it's been a really smooth transition. And a lot of that has to do with just like that constant making sure that we have the right gu guidelines and boundaries to keep us on the, the right path that everyone agrees with going forward. Yeah, right. And I mean, truly running it as the business that it is, I think sometimes family businesses can get caught up in, oh, you know, we're family, so things aren't going to happen. But it's important to have those things in place in case something does happen or, you know, just to make the process easier at the end of the day. Right. And you mentioned technology, and that is something I would like to touch on. Um, what, how have things changed? And I don't know, I'm sure over your lifetime, but especially maybe since your dad's, how have things changed on how you guys do things because of the new technology within the industry? Yeah. So, I mean, like everything was paper for yeah. the longest time. Um, so transitioning from paper to not paper was like a huge step for us. And um, then going to the cloud was like another huge step. But I think the biggest thing is how we can improve our farming techniques through technology, mm -hmm. at least for me specifically. Um, so putting out, you know, sat flow sensors that are monitoring how much water is going into the plant so that I can keep track of when the vines are actually thirsty. Um, you know, we have evapotranspiration sensors that are basically monitoring how much water is escaping through the, the leaves. 
um, so that I can see how much uh, the plant is actually processing that water, if it needs more, if it doesn't. Um, we have a lot of AI in our vineyards now. Um, we're using smart tractors these days as well. Uh, we have um, sensors that are looking at the uh, thickness of all of our shoots to see how much fertilization we need and if our fertilization strategy is working. Um, we are really just focused on how can we be better for the environment uh, while continuing to farm to our quality standard levels. Um, so just a full sustainable outlook and technology really does play a huge role in that. And every day I swear there's a new technology coming out that is trying to help me precision farm. So it's also a lot of sorting through the calls and making sure I'm getting on the phone with the right people because there's so many people out there now doing ag tech, which is great. It's yeah. been an under, undervalued segment of the tech industry for too long. So I'm so glad it's getting a lot more popular, but there's just a lot right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then this, the, the push, you know, for the industry to have the sustainability aspect and all of that, I think it, it's changed the way that we grow and, and, and farm and ranch and everything. Right. So it's, it's um baby steps, but I promise the industry is trying to catch up as fast as possible. <laughs> right. And so for you, like, what is kind of, this is probably a very complicated question because as I know, no day is the same in agriculture, but what's maybe kind of a, a, a day in the life for you or what's kind of, what does your day-to-day -day look like um, right now? Yeah. I mean, and you're totally right. No day looks the same, but I think that's why I love my job is that yeah. no day looks the same. Um, so, you know, like some days I'm focusing on strategic planning for like our 10 or 20 year plan. Like what kind of grapes do we want in the ground? Um, what's the year rotation that we get, or we're going to have them on? Like, are they going to last 30 years or 25 based on area or viral pressure? Lots of different things that can impact grapevines. Um, and then other times I'm working on strategies for our team. Like, how do I see the growth structure of my team members? Who's going to be moving up? Who really is showing that they're a star employee that wants more? Like, how can I get them to the next level? So a lot of what I do is not just based on agriculture, but also yeah. based on just people. Mm -hmm. I develop my team to be um, the best in the nation. You know, that's what we really want is how can we continue to be the best provider of work the best supplier of wine and the best place uh, to work and, and have your family uh, grow up with us. Um, and like today I'm working on our budget for next year. So I'll be this afternoon, I'll be spending a lot of time looking through budget, making sure that we have all of our farming tiers laid out, that all of our customer blocks that we um, do some vineyard management for are all laid out, that they have their budget sent off for the year. Um, I'll be focusing a little bit on um, realigning with our winemakers to make sure that we have the right amount of grape volume going to the different program tiers that we have because we have wine by the bottle for, you know, anywhere from $15 a bottle all the way up to $120 a bottle. So we have to have the right grapes for, for each of those programs. Um, and we just finished harvest about two weeks ago, or maybe three weeks now, but um, so now is like the perfect time to kind of have a good look backwards and see, you know, what did we do really well? How can we improve? Where did we miss our quality mark or where did we overshoot? Um, and how can we kind of adjust that back to make sure that we're hitting right on target on all of our different ranches? Um, we farm about 200 different vineyard blocks in Livermore and another hundred in Arroyo Seco, Monterey. So. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it's just, they, and those are varying sizes and acres, but it's just the way we, we farm them all a little bit differently. Um, so lots to go through, but uh, it really does help when we kind of have that look back after the year's harvest. Yes. And you guys do everything in-house, right? I mean, buying to bottle on the shelf is all of you guys, right? Yep. Yep. We are farming all of our, our grapes ourselves. Awesome. That's so cool. And how many different varieties are you guys at now? We're at 26. <clears throat> okay. Between Livermore and Monterey. Okay. Wow. That's a lot to keep track of. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. We used to be at 32. So we're like slowing down a little bit because it was like here and there, like an acre of this, an acre of that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no more, no more one acre things. <laughs> yeah. Too much. <laughs> yeah. Right. Go big or go home if we're going to do them. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I needed to be like 15 acres and then I feel better. Yeah. And so, okay, that's that's kind of my next question too. So for people who are listening maybe and have zero concept of the wine industry or, you know, anything that we're talking about here, can you maybe break it down from like a like ground up like this is how, you know, we the the grape kind of pro the process of the grape from the vine to the bottle and kind of a quick snapshot view. I know there's so much that goes into it, but just kind of a general overview? Yeah. Um, so when you're planting a vineyard, it takes uh, about three years to get your first crop. So right. your first three years, you're just doing new vine training, getting them in the ground, all that stuff. Um, and then once you get that crop, you're going to start the growth in March. And then throughout the season, May will be right around where you have, um, so March is bud break. So that's when the growth starts and mm -hmm. then May you're going to have blooms. So that's when you actually get your flowering and then June you get set. So that's when you actually see the berries. Um, you might see a little verasion in July, but in August you'll go full into verasion, which is where the grapes turn color. So turn into either green or red mm -hmm. green. It's harder to tell. They're more like it turns from green to yellow, I guess you could say. And then right. red, they start to turn red. Um, and then uh, a lot, sparkling harvest usually takes place in August. Sometimes Sauvignon Blanc, some Chardonnays will, and some Pinot Noirs will come off in August. And then um, the, the bigger varieties like Cabernet, Cab Franc, Merlot, those usually come off a little bit later. So maybe late September or October, sometimes into November. Um, and Monterey, weirdly different from the rest of the state, Monterey Chardonnay grows in October, or that's when, that's when you pick Chardonnay hmm. in Monterey. It's just a late season there for Chardonnay. Uh, I put it up to the weather. It's cold, colder yeah. region. Um, but yeah, so then when, when the grapes are ready, you harvest them and we do a lot of harvest by machine, probably about 70%. And then we do about 30% of our harvest by hand. Um, right now we have about 3,000 acres planted to vineyard land, 1,000 in Monterey and about 2,000 acres in Livermore. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's a crazy fast season. And then, you know, once the vines are all taken care of, all the grapes are off, they go dormant. And that happens usually early December. And that's after your first frost. And then we go into pruning seasons. So then we start pruning and then it gets right back into growing season again when March comes. But like by the time March comes around, we're usually just finishing up pruning. So it's a whole process. There really is no downtime except for right now, the yeah. two weeks between when you finish harvest and Thanksgiving. <laughs> that's like our only downtime that we get in the entire year. 
Yeah, when the downtime when you're projecting and looking back at the past year and all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's like, okay, I'm not actually resting, but it's fine. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so I think the wine industry to me is so interesting because like you said, right, there's no really any downtime, but then also just the different varieties that you can have and the process of things can be different kind of depending on what variety it is too. Um, but what has been kind of, what is, do you have a favorite? I don't know if that's even a good question, but is yeah. there? <laughs> I, so I love to drink Chardonnays and Pinot Noirs and I love growing Pinot Noir. Okay. Um, Pinot Noir has a bunch of different clonal variations. So when you're growing it, you can actually visually see the differences between different clones of Pinot. And it's just a, a tiny genetic difference that they caught in labs and then we're able to continue to clone those different variations in order to produce a lot of those grapevines that they can go and sell that different specific clonal variation. Um, and they are also different and elegant and beautiful in their own way. And they make the, like, they really do make Pinot Noirs really special when you blend them together to get what you're looking for. And I'd say that's unlike any other grape variety. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of clones of every single grape variety. And that's just how the nurseries make money is by having all those different clones. But Pinot Noir clones are really special. So it's really fun to grow it because you can actually impact the quality of a Pinot Noir and like see it happening when, right. when you're tasting through the different clones you can see the differences that those different clones are going to bring to that finished product when you blend them together that's so cool um, um, so yeah so there is an answer to, to the, what's your favorite child <laughs> <laughs> right yeah exactly but switching kind of gears here just a little bit I want to talk about you as a woman and woman in this industry what has been kind of your favorite part about being a woman in agriculture especially kind of in in the wine industry yeah um I think that my favorite part has been the connections that I've made with other women in the industry um every single person that I've worked for uh prior to starting with my family business was actually a female in this industry so which is not super common because mm -hmm. there's not that many women in ag especially right. in in vineyard agriculture it's highly male dominated um so i've been very fortunate to be able to work for so many incredible women throughout the years of my career um and i think learning from them has been something really special because these women have been in agriculture for many years and have kind of showed me how to hold myself um from the age of 14 all the way up to the age of, you know, 28, I was um, really influenced by these incredible women. And so making those connections has been really awesome. Um, I also love that it, that agriculture is just different. You know, my day to day is not what my friends from college do. You know, a lot of them are in desk jobs and I'm like, oh, today I'm going outside to watch the harvesters. Um, so it's, it's really cool that like my career can I sit behind a desk a lot of the time. I don't want to lie about that. Uh, probably 80% of my mm -hmm. job is behind a desk, unfortunately. But that 20% that I get to go outside and, and be with my team and um, watch a trial taking place or, you know, put a new piece of equipment into production, um, that is really awesome and incredible. And it makes me feel really blessed to be able to call that my job. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, and it's such a unique thing to be involved in this industry as a woman, but then just because the industry is so unique in itself. So I think that is such a good answer. Um, and I love that. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, last little thing here, what are or how can somebody get in touch with you if they're wanting to learn more or if they're wanting to purchase wine? Because I know you guys have an online um, accessibility for people to purchase stuff too. Yeah, yeah. So at wentyvineyards.com, you can purchase wine. There's also um, at wentyvineyards.com, there's a link to connect with us. And if you put my name in there, they will send you to my email and I'll email you back. Um, I can also tell you my email, which is it's nikki.wenty at wentyvineyards.com. Um, and anyone is welcome to reach out to me. Um, we I'm happy to get in touch with anyone about really anything. Uh, if people are interested in joining agriculture, looking into careers in the wine industry, uh, I'm happy to talk about whatever I can help with. Great. Thank you so much, Nikki, for taking time to chat with me today. And uh, I will put all that information in the show description if anyone is looking to connect. And thank you so much and have a great rest of your day today. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciated getting the chance to talk, to, talk with you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ag Chicks. Don't forget to follow along on social media at AgChicks on Instagram and Facebook and that every episode has a visual version on YouTube on the AgChicks channel.